Hebrews chapter 2, the verse 4, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with divers miracles. Signs. That's the word that I want you to underline tonight. But I don't want you to underline that word by itself. I want you with the same highlighter also to underline the words in verse 3. So great salvation. Signs. Signs of that great salvation. So I'm thinking about signs, but I'm connecting them with the revelation of the great salvation that has come to us through Jesus Christ. Signs that Christ was the life. Signs that his life was a transforming life in the lives of others. His life was a life of signs. Mighty signs. In fact, the Lord Jesus Christ was himself a sign. The greatest sign of all. The greatest sign ever was Jesus Christ. For in his incarnation, God gave unto us the greatest miracle. And that greatest miracle is the greatest sign of all. You remember Simeon as he held the Christ child. And he said unto Mary his mother, This child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And a sign, he's a sign himself that shall be spoken against. Do you remember that great prophecy of Isaiah? The prophet speaking in the spirit of Christ. Behold I, and the children whom you have given me, you have given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel. Christ and his children are signs. Not only is Christ a sign, but if you're saved, you're a sign. You're a wonder. The regenerating grace of God in your life is a wonder. And he's made you a marvelous sign in this world. And so I want to speak about signs. And every sign is a miracle. So I'm speaking about the miracles. The miracles of Christ. The miracles that he wrought when upon the earth. That show forth his so great salvation. Perhaps you said tonight, how can I know the great salvation is here? How can I know the great salvation is at hand? How can I know it's come and that I can possess it and enjoy it? How do I know that it's available now to me and that we are indeed in reality and truth in the day of salvation? How can I know that? How can I know it's real? And the answer is, it's in these 
signs. It's seen in these signs and wonders and miracles that Jesus Christ wrought. So the apostle here is referring to the miracles of the New Testament and especially to Christ's miracles that show that the world to come, its power has come upon the earth. Paul uses three words for miracles here in verse 4. Signs, wonders, miracles. You know, Peter at the day of Pentecost, he used the very same three words. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs. Now notice, he reverses the order. Peter says, miracles, wonders, signs. But Paul, because of the nature of this epistle, he says signs first. Signs, wonders, miracles. Very important. He gives primacy to the sign aspect of the miracles. Whereas Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he's given primacy to the power of the miracles, the, the, the mate seen in them, the miraculous nature of them. So these three words are very important, and their order is also important as used by Paul. Take that word, wonders. They're amazing. These miracles are done, and you just open your mouth, and you're, you're standing amazed. You've never seen anything like it before. They make you sit up. They get a response. Great multitudes came unto him, the Bible says. The lame, the blind, the dumb, the maimed, many others. They laid them down at Jesus' feet and he healed them all. And the multitude wondered. They were utterly amazed at the power of the miracles. They were wonderments. Never seen it before. They glorified the God of Israel. They were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Do you remember whenever he made a, a lame man walk? The Bible says they were all amazed. They glorified God. These miracles of Christ, they, they did that. They got a response, and the response was always amazement and wonderment. We never saw it in this fashion before, they said. There were wonders. The word miracles, that's the word that is related to power. In fact, the word dynamite it comes from a word similar to this. Power. Mighty works, mighty acts. Like powerful explosions. And that's what the miracles of Christ are. They're powerful explosions. They are eruptions of the kingdom of God on our earth. Only God can do them. They're eruptions of that divine power coming through as God's divine kingdom of grace manifests itself in Jesus Christ. Eruptions of God in time and space by the finger of God himself. They were powers. However, they're not just wonders and powers. And to Paul, they are not primarily that. They have purpose. They show something. 
They manifest something more than the miracle itself. They're signs. Signs point to something more. And these miracles are mighty in themselves, but they're not the end all and the be all of everything. They're pointing to something more. They're signs. They are not just a display, not just a showing off, not just a miracle for the miracle's sake. A miracle of Jesus Christ is first a sign and primarily a sign because they're pointing out something. This great salvation. They're pointing it out. Something more important than the miracle itself. You see, you don't stop at the sign, do you? It's leading you somewhere the sign. It's bringing you somewhere else. A miracle is not an end in itself. Yes, it's nice to be cleansed of leprosy. That was wonderful to experience. Yes, it was nice to be raised from the dead and to be healed of this disease and that disease. It was nice. But you know something? They died again. They died again. And they got some other disease and sickness. And they died of that. A miracle's not an end in itself. It's pointing to something everlasting. Something more important. Something greater. That God does. And sinners. That goes on into eternity. Signs of that. The so great salvation. And that's a very important word here in, in this epistle. They're tokens of greater things. This is an interesting word in the Bible, this word signs. It's used in many connotations. At the end of one of Paul's epistles, the end of the second Thessalonians, chapter 3, verse 17, Paul signed off his, his epistles with his own hand. He would dictate them. The expert would write it all out nicely in the scroll. But Paul was no expert writer. He probably couldn't see very well either himself, but he liked to sign off in his own signature. And occasionally he, he drew reference to that. The salutation of Paul with mine own hand. Which is the token in every epistle. So I write. It's the sign in every epistle that he writes. Now what's it a sign of? It's a sign that this is from the Apostle Paul himself. It's his epistle. That's the, that's the reason nature of a token. And these miracles of Christ are tokens telling us something that we have to listen to. And all that we have to listen to relates to that so great salvation. Whenever you drive down the town and you see a sign, you know that the sign is not the end in itself. I mean, you don't stop your car and you get out, oh, I love that sign, I want that sign. I must put that sign in the boot of my car and away off home with it. It's not the sign. What's on the sign? What is the sign telling you? What's the sign saying? I want that. I want to go into the shop and get that. That's what Christ's miracle is. It's telling you to come on in and get this. Get this so great salvation. It's a sign. That's preaching to you. That's advertising to you. So Christ's signs are telling. They're telling what you can have. That you can have it now. 
And about these sign miracles, I want to say a number of things tonight. The first thing that I want to say about these signs is that they are not just symbols, powerless symbols. The liberals, they like that word symbols. Resurrection of Christ, symbol. The resurrection of Lazarus from the dead, symbol. They like that word. But of course, they don't believe in the miracles. They don't believe in the historicity of the actions and events. The liberals deny the supernatural in miracles. They're happy with the word signs, but they want to leave out the wonders and the miracles part. So we're not talking about signs in that way, as if it's just an empty sign, and it wasn't really a miracle that was done at all. Of course there were miraculous signs. They were mighty. They were really miracles. They were literal miracles. There, there is no rational explanation for them. They were God's power erupting into our earth. That's the only explanation for them. And their value as signs is important in that truth and fact. So it's not what the liberals say, oh, we don't have to worry about it being true and a real miracle. We don't have to be, you know, too concerned about that. Oh, we just adopt it as our symbol. And that's how they can subscribe to, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because it's just a symbol, just a sign, void of miraculous power. We're not talking about the signs in that way. That's false. God doesn't deceive and lie. He doesn't give tricks. He doesn't work windows and try to trick the people. And there's a, there's a rational explanation for it all. But that's just hid and concealed from the people. That's deceit. That's lies. That's what Antichrist does. Lying wonders. But Christ's miracles are not lying wonders. They're sign wonders. Miraculous truly. And manifest the power of God. So God doesn't just point out his great salvation with a deceiving, empty, powerless symbol. And that's why Paul adds wonders, miracles. He points it out, not with an empty symbol, but he points it out with his finger. And the finger of God is omnipotence. I have to state that. We're not preaching as a liberal tonight when we talk about signs. And then secondly, signs show in the Bible that God is speaking. That God himself is giving the lesson. That God himself is bringing the revelation to men. You know, whenever we write on the blackboard the lessons, we put words and symbols, characters, script. And that's all. It's just chalk on the blackboard. It's just man writing. They're just ordinary signs. Empty symbols that signify words. Ideas. Thoughts. But you see when God points out the lessons. And when God writes the revelation. And when he puts his finger on the blackboard. Miracles take place. It's God speaking. The characters become three-dimensional. They become living and mighty words. Signed words 
that are filled with omnipotence. That's God speaking. So he points out the lessons, things happen. The symbols live. And the miracles of Christ are attesting to his omnipotence. They bear witness to his authority, to his word, that he speaks the word of God. And that's one purpose of miracles. They show that God is speaking. They show that the revelation is divine. They accompany the prophets, but they pour out of Jesus Christ, the divine prophet. So the signs are wonders and miracles that show the New Testament is true, and the gospel is true, and this great salvation is true. Now, they don't only do that, but that's a very important thing that they do do. They show it's God's word. They have an apologetic aspect. This is God's word. It's been confirmed by the presence of God in divine miracles. And we can use the miracles to defend the faith. And there are scholars who do that. They're they're right to do that. They say the miracles, they prove that the word of God is his word truly. And it comes from God. And the Bible is his word. And that's a right way of arguing. Because you see, deceivers cannot do miracles. Mentally unstable people who say foolish things can't do miracles. An unstable person who comes along and says, I'm the son of God, he can't do miracles. God is not with them. God doesn't give them the confirmation of miracles. And if they jump into the sea, they they just sink like other men. They don't walk on the water. They touch a dead body and nothing happens because they're just like other men when we touch dead bodies. They don't have the signs and wonders of ones who infallibly and inerrantly give the revelation from God and speak the words from the Father. They can't add anything to the Bible. You see, there are no miracle workers today. No. There may be miracles, don't get me wrong. You can't limit God. Regeneration is a miracle. Being born again is a miracle of God. So there are miracles today. But ministers don't do miracles because we don't and can't add to the Word of God. We preach the Word of God. That has been confirmed by miracles. So ministers don't do miracles. And there's nothing being added to the Bible today. That's why the Book of Mormon is wrong. Joseph Smith come along, he he added to the Bible. Where's his miracles? Where has he the right and the authority to do that? Where's the dead he raised? Where are the apostolic signs? So they're they're not present. It's the same with the Quran and Muhammad. There's nothing to be added to the Bible. None will ever outshine the Son of God in miracles and signs. There's no one ever going to come to outshine Him who's given us the New Testament Scriptures. There's nothing more to be added till the end of the world. And so a miracle's attest to the truth of the revelation seen in the Bible. This You remember in the widow of Zarephath, Remember her her child died and Elijah, he took the child and he prayed over him. You know the story. The Lord raised the child and he, he brought the child to the mother and delivered him unto his mother and he said, look, your son's alive. He's, he's been raised. 
know what that woman said? She said, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. Now I know you're a true prophet. You can do miracles. You have the signs. And in the New Testament, it's the same. You remember Nicodemus came to Jesus at night? He said, Rabbi, we know your teacher come from God because no man can do these, these signs that thou doest, except God be with him. You have the signs of infallible inerrancy, the presence of God in your teaching. So the miracles show that Christ is a prophet. They show that he brings God's word. However, Christ's miracles are in a different league. And that's where we're getting to the heart of this word, signs, as Paul uses it in Hebrews. Yes, they attest to the word he spoke as divine. But with Christ, however, they're more than that. Christ did miracles more than any other man. They came out of him easier than they came out of any other man. He did miracles in ways that no other man ever did. His miracles were in a different category altogether. And that brings us to our third point. These New Testament signs, and especially Christ's miracles, point not just that he's a prophet, but they point out that the divine Savior himself has come. That the Son of God has come. That the kingdom of God has burst on our planet. In the incarnate one. That's what these signs are showing. That the Savior has come. That the great salvation is at hand. That the day of salvation has arrived. He is not just our prophet. He's the divine prophet. Paul goes on later to say he's greater than Moses. And Moses is the greatest Old Testament prophet. He done a lot of miracles. Christ is greater than him. Greater than Moses. Christ's miracles do not just attest to his word. They attest to the age that he has brought in the new. He's brought in the better. He's brought in the day of salvation. He's brought in the day of grace. He's brought in the spirit. He's brought in the the, the miracle of regeneration into multitudes. Not only of Jews but of Gentiles. That's what Paul is saying here. And so connect these signs with the so great salvation. The new age that he's brought in. So Jesus is not just an Old Testament prophet adding to the Old Testament. He's a son of God who has brought in the new. A completely new dispensation. Something better. Something fuller. And it's the last. The last days he's brought in. He's inaugurated the kingdom. And we're only waiting his final consummation at the last day. Jesus Christ has done that. And those signs show it. They point that out. So Christ is not someone after Malachi. Just. He's the Lord himself who has come. And brought salvation. And now reigns in heaven at the right hand of the Father. Bringing his people in. Until the final consummation. So the miracles of Christ are signs of that. Now Matthew, Mark and Luke. 
They speak of Christ's works. They love to use the word miracles. Powers of the kingdom. The supernatural works that erupt on earth when Jesus Christ moved. These miracles are to them the finger of God. The power of God. And they, they emphasize that aspect of it. Because that's what these miracles are. The finger of God. Do you remember the magicians in Egypt? They could do a few tricks. They seemed to be able to replicate some of the signs of Moses. But after a while they weren't able to do that anymore. And they had to tell Pharaoh. Took them guts to eventually come to say it. But they had to tell him. This is a finger of God Pharaoh. We better start listening. The finger of God these miracles. And Jesus Christ whenever he came along. He said if I with the finger of God. Cast out devils. It's the finger of God. Now, these same miracles. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they, they bring that out, that, that power aspect. And, and let me say that miracles are our supernatural powers and supernatural signs that only God can do. The finger of God, not the finger of a man. I mean, a man four days dead and stinking and corrupting. What can you do? Whose finger is going to change that? The finger of God. That's all. That's all can be done. A true miracle. And all Christ's works were the same. Having a baby is not a miracle. I know sometimes we get a wee bit worked up. Oh, is it a miracle that a baby's born? It's not a miracle. It's a natural event. It is a marvelous thing, but it's a natural event. And you're sick, you take medicine, you get better. That's, that's not a miracle. That, that's, that's a common natural thing in God's providence. It's a common gift. Sometimes God withholds it, but it's his prerogative to do that. But generally he, he allows it. The first telephone call is very interesting. 1876 on the 10th of March. Alexander Graham Bell, the inventor of the telephone, he, he phones up his friend, his assistant, Mr. Watson. The famous word, Mr. Watson, come here, I want to see you. Of course, now on the telephone, you don't have to say, come here, I want to see you. You can see them now on the telephone. But hearing someone on the telephone, on the other side of the world, even seeing them, is not a miracle. It's technology. You remember when the men landed on the moon in 1969? Neil Armstrong, what did he say? One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. But it wasn't a miracle. It was technology. Using medicine and technology is not miraculous. But putting your finger on a leper, and the leprosy goes. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. Feeding thousands with a few barley loaves and a couple of fishes. That's a miracle. There's no replicator can do that. That's a miracle. Giving a man a new pair of eyes, you know, bending down, making a wee bit of clay and spitting in it and poof, giving him new eyes and was born blind. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. A real miracle, a true miracle. That's the finger of God. Mighty powers, eruptions that God has come in the flesh. And John, he likes this word, signs. He always uses it. He never uses the word miracles. 
Although our translators sometimes put the word miracles in, but it's always signs. He, he has seven carefully chosen throughout his gospel. Seven signs. You know, the first one we read about it tonight, the beginning of miracles, where the Lord Jesus Christ turned the water into wine. You know, that, that was a mighty work. Do you ever think about it? It was astounding. Imagine six water pots. One water pot was enough to fill th three Hebrew baths. We're talking about well over 100 gallons of water. Maybe up near to 150. We're talking about a lot of water. Filled up to the brim. Jesus didn't even speak a word. He just says, just draw it out to the marriage feast. And there it is, all this wine. There never was wine made like it before. It was the best wine that ever was on the planet. That's a miracle. And that's a sign of the so great salvation. This abundance, this superabundance, this plenty. Remember the miracles in the, the Old Testament? The woman has to keep going to the bottom. The bottom's never empty. You see, when Jesus comes, it's filling and overflowing. An abundance. An abundance for sinners. An abundance of grace from the kingdom of grace, from God the Savior, for sinners. You can have an abundance in Jesus Christ. That first miracle is one of the greatest miracles proclaiming the kingdom of grace to sinners. This is the new come. The old is gone. God has come among men. That's a miracle. And it's a sign. And what a marvelous sign it is. And God... The Son manifested His glory in that saying. The better has arrived. And the new wine is a picture of the kingdom of God. The, the new kingdom that He brought. And so we have to preach the Gospels in that way, brethren and sisters. All these miracles. There's a way to preach them. And the way to preach them is to emphasize the sign aspect of them. And they all bring us the assurance that the Lord our Saviour has come among us and he's brought this great salvation. So, so study these signs. Frequently reflect on them. And know that the physician of souls has broken in upon our world and upon our lives. And he can break into your life, sinner. With his grace. And so we stand... At all the miracles, anyone we could ever choose. Stand at the graveside of Lazarus, if you want. Stand at death's domain. Stand at the dark, cold, despairing kingdom of death itself. And the one rotting in the tomb. And the corruption that has commenced. Irreversible. Irreversible, it seems. Satan trumpets irreversible. The corruption of sinners is irreversible. The power of sin is irreversible. Death and the corruption and the victory of sin, of death, is irreversible. No. Because Jesus Christ comes into the world. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I can bring dead to life. I can bring sinners to life. I can reverse the curse. I can reverse the corruption. I can reverse the depravity. I can bring in the new. I can bring in the blessing. I can bring in the life 
everlasting. The life that never ends. That knows no death. No corruption. I, I alone can bring it in, Jesus Christ says. And he puts his finger and raises Lazarus from the tomb. It's a sign that the resurrection and the life has come. He's here. And you can have him. And you have to believe in him and trust in him. And that's why John wrote these signs. He says, I could have wrote many more. I wrote these ones, but I could have wrote many more. But these are enough that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the divine Son of God. And so the signs are calling you to believe on him. He can save you. He can give you this great salvation. The signs are there that you can be saved. And you must be saved. And in the light of those signs, you dare not turn away and neglect that so great salvation. You dare not be careless and turn away and not give it your full attention. You have to give it your full attention. Because Jesus Christ is a wonderful Savior. And he's done wonderful works among us, the sons of men. And he wants to save us. And all that come to him, he will save. And to him be glory. Bless and praise his holy name.